the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. It's nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock right now on this Thursday. It is the 29th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And we've got a very busy show for you today. I'm looking forward to some great conversations coming up. In about an hour, we are going to be talking with uh, the brilliant Dr. Everett Piper. He is our culture warrior. He is our leader. He's our general, I think, in the culture wars, to be honest with you. He's got some disturbing news to report from Oklahoma. We will discuss some disturbing news in Wisconsin. And, yes, we will tie it to very similar disturbing news here in the state of Ohio, all of it having to do with the ongoing attack on our children and the attempt to eliminate parents from their lives and from the most important situations, developments, uh, and conditions uh, that they may face, all of that having to do with the education system. Education is Dr. Piper's wheelhouse. Of course, he's a former university president of Oklahoma Wesleyan, and uh, uh, he's got so much to offer. We're going to talk to him coming up at 1010 this morning. At 10.35, we're going to talk to Dan Baker about those pancakes. We're going to talk a little about a little bit more important stuff than that. But Nan Baker's annual pancake breakfast is coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking with her at 10.35. And at 11.10, how about this for a treat, huh? 
Dennis Prager, live on Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Dennis, as you probably know by now, has a new book out. Uh, and Dennis, of course, is just a, a phenomenal author, particularly his Rational Bible series. He's just, uh, he puts it into terms that everybody can understand, be you Jew or Gentile, Christian. Uh, maybe you're, maybe you're an, an agnostic, maybe even an atheist. All of the stuff that Dennis writes about is very, very um, relatable. I think, to people of virtually every uh, faith or non-faith. And so Dennis Prager is going to join us to talk about that coming up at uh, 1110. So how about that? we got Dr. Piper, we've got Nan Baker, we've got Dennis Prager all lined up for us this morning. Now, before I get into the top news story of the day, which is the crumbling, disintegrating mental faculties and ability for the President of the United States to understand or process complex things, or even simple things. Because it's getting out of control now, you understand? It's getting way out of control. It's getting way out of hand. His ability to think, to process, to remember, is just gone. It's just gone. The gaff machine, you know, there was a time when the gaff machine for Joe Biden was funny. Even though some of the gaffes, some of the mistakes, some of the verbal miscues, some of the things he has said, complete, you know, were, were dangerous, or or were you know at the very least they were uh, risky for certain people. But it was just funny because he's so stupid the way he talked. And I'm talking about going back to his younger years in the United States Senate. There was a time when a gaff reel from Joe Biden was just grab your popcorn, put your feet up, and get ready to laugh. But the gaffes that are made now by Joe Biden as President of the United States indicate more than just kind of a lack of mental, um, well, say let's just say lack of intelligence. I don't mean to be as basic as that because I don't think he's a dumb man, but he speaks as if he's a dumb man, and he always has. How about that? I think he's smart, but I think he's just a very, very uh, inopportune speaker at various points in time. Let's phrase it that way. He's just not very quick-witted. He doesn't understand what he says most, of, well, a lot of the time. And that's, again, going back to his younger years and through most of his 40, 50 years in, in politics. But when you're the president of the United States and you're in your late 70s and you're pushing up on 80, and you make gaffes now that indicate just flat out it's not a lack of intelligence, it's not being dumb, it's not necessarily just, you know, um, making a verbal flub because you're not a super great speaker on your feet, which we would have put our feet up and eaten the popcorn and laughed at. But when you say things that indicate very clearly you're just not all there, your mental acuity is not what it needs to be to be making decisions and making speeches and appearances on behalf of the United States of America. With the world watching, evaluating the mental fitness of our leader and potentially determining whether or not we are so weak that this is the time to strike. And that doesn't necessarily mean militarily. I'm not saying his, his, uh, his mental and cognitive decline is going to lead to a war. I'm not saying that. It's possible. But I mean striking anyway. This is the time to go after the Americans because their leader is out of it. 
when you start seeing the things that we're seeing right now, um, that's the danger. And yesterday, as he was standing at that podium, looking around a room for a dead woman, calling her by name, saying, where is she? Just a month after she passed away in an auto accident and you issued your public statement about the shock and grief over her demise. And he thinks she's still alive? I I know a lot of people who have said that that's kind of how their their own grandparents, or in some cases great-grandparents, were at the end. At the end of their roads, at the end of their lives, they thought they saw things that just were not there. They thought people were alive, people who were close to them in most cases, but who had gone before them. And I say this with no joy, laughter, or for comedic effect at all. I may do some comedic stuff later, but I say this with none of that. It's a very serious problem, and it's a serious indicator of mental faculties gone away. And when he had no earthly idea that one of the people that he wanted to commemorate, or not commemorate, rather, but to commend and to thank for this, uh, this you know, uh, you know, uh, food insecurity bill, this, this, this project, this, co- this was a White House conference on hunger, nutrition, and health. When he was looking to commend those involved, he literally was looking around the room for her. And we'll play it all back for you. And what I'm really going to get into here in a moment after our pledge is not just his words, but the attempt by the White House to convince you that it was completely and totally normal. Nothing wrong here at all. Nothing at all. I don't understand why you guys are so confused. This is a very simple thing. I'm going to play some audio for you that is going to be more disturbing than the, 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 the cognitively declining President of the United States' words himself. I'm going to share all of it with you because it's so incredibly troubling to know that this is the leadership of our country. Meanwhile, we've got a vice president who thinks we're allies with North Korea. Meanwhile, we've got a vice president who thinks that we have a long history of, of, uh, of uh, uh, and a relationship with North Korea. And she said this from the DMZ. Isn't pretty, isn't it very hard to know which side is the good side and which side is the bad side? It's not hard to know which side we were on in the Korean War. It's not very difficult to understand that we have been in very, very serious um, situations with North Korea over the course of the last 50 years or so. She thought we were literally allies with North Korea. I mean, it's like they're in a gaff contest. Between Biden, who I think is because of his age and his mental faculties, the cognitive decline, you can attribute so much of this to that, to Kamala, who I would disagree, I would take all of that away from because she's not that old. She's just dumb. She's just a horrific thinker and an even worse speaker. She's just dumb. She was dumb when she was in the United States Senate. She was dumb when she was trying to run for president and everybody saw it, which is why she got 1%. She was dumb when she uh, was um, diversity selected by Joe Biden because he promised he would select a black female um, uh, vice president or running mate. So she was dumb when she got lucked into that job. And now she's been even dumber since she's been in it and been forced to be on the public stage. 
She's just dumb. But they're having a gaff contest. It's like one of them trying to one-up the other one, and then they go back at the end of the night and just probably wonder what in the living hell happened. Meanwhile, they leave poor uh, black and gay Kareem uh, Jean-Pierre out there to try to answer for all of them. You know, I, I don't I don't dislike the woman, Kareem Jean-Pierre. I dislike the fact that she was a diversity hire, again, because they wanted to celebrate her blackness and her gayness. First thing they introduced her as, the first black and gay uh, press secretary in, in White House history. That's all they cared about was the title. They didn't care about the quality, the the competency. They cared about the fact, look look at us, we're diverse, we're diverse. We believe in DIE, diversity, inclusion, and equity, and we're going to put people in jobs for which they have no qualifications whatsoever. I don't dislike her for that. It's not her fault. They gave it to her, but I do feel bad for her when she's forced to go up there and defend the indefensible. And that's what we're going to talk about after I ask you to rise. Patriots, go ahead and stand. Face your flag if you have one nearby. And as I say that, I want to say thank you again to the listener who sent me this wonderful gift at the radio station, who sent me this incredible piece of art, uh, this, uh, uh, this flag with the stenciling cut out in it on the uh, stripes, on the white stripes of the flag with the Pledge of Allegiance written in it. It is just a piece of, of beautiful art, and it is mounted right in front of me, right where I can see it every day uh, when I do our Pledge of Allegiance. So that's mine. Hopefully you've got yours, whatever kind that it may be. Uh, join us for the pledge. If you uh, are driving, you don't have to stand. Go ahead and put your hand on your heart and join us, though. If you back and support anything you hear coming from this very confused and ignorant administration right now at this precarious point in American history, then you don't believe or respect in that flag anyway. You may instead take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, let me just give you this quickie. Where'd you go? Where'd you go, Joe? We're waiting for you, Joe. I think we got muted here, Joe. Let's uh, let's let me just give you this quickie before the first time out, and then we'll come back. And uh... Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was going to be here to help make this a reality. It's a very, very dangerous situation right now. And right after this time out, I'll give you the audio you need to hear. And then I'll ask for the reactions that I need to hear from you. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. It's always right radio. Unlike the administration on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 924. I want to be clear as I say this again. I take no joy in, in what I'm about to do, which is to savage the President of the United States for his mental uh, decline. His acuity, his cognitive uh, abilities are just in decline, and our country is in peril. I, that's it. Uh, if, you, if you browse some headlines from international newspapers and news sources on uh, your search engine, which should not be Google, if you browse around, you will see that the rest of the world is watching. The rest of the world is laughing. The rest of the world is wondering, is the United States ripe for a fall? And the reason they're wondering that is because this is, just continues to get more and more embarrassing, the idea that this is the leader of the United States. Let's go. Before we get to the uh, the, the Jackie story, where's Jackie? Just don't, don't forget, two days before the... Um, 
uh, hurricane struck down in Florida. And, of course, our hearts and our thoughts and our prayers and our strength and our support are all headed down to Florida for those who have uh, suffered from this uh, uh, land, landfall yesterday from Hurricane Ian, particularly in Lee County, where one estimate, according to county officials there, uh, is that the death toll may be in the hundreds in that county. So our, our thoughts and prayers are with them. So, again, we play this, not uh, to, to make light of this in any way. This is just <clears throat> troubling. That rather than preparing for a hurricane and getting yourself and your belongings and your family and your pets and everything else you, that you can out of the way of the storm, Joe Biden wants you to go by your local drugstore or go by your local health center and get a shot. If you're in a state where hurricanes often strike, like Florida or the Gulf Coast or into Texas, a vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. Everything is more complicated if you're not vaccinated in a hurricane or a natural disaster. The clip is self-explanatory. The man is just so lost, he actually honestly thinks that getting a shot is going to help prepare for the hurricane in some way, shape, or form. Nobody understands how or why, but that's not the issue. The issue is much, much bigger than this. The issue is at this health, or excuse me, this food and nutrition event uh, that the White House was holding yesterday. Joe Biden stood there at the podium yesterday morning and looked for a dead woman that he knew was dead, or at least he should have known because he talked about her. So many of you know so much about this as well, and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker. Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was going to be here to help make this. Representative Jackie Walorski, as we told you yesterday, died in a car crash uh, last month in August. Joe Biden sent out a note expressing his sadness and shock over her her death and support for, for her family, which is, of course, appropriate. One month later, he's looking for her in a room. And so many of you know so much about this as well, and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here, for, including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. There's, there's, there's no way to spin that. That's just the reality of the situation. There is no way to spin that. He was looking for a dead woman because his mental acuity is gone. He forgot that she died. And rather than saying, oh, my goodness, uh, I'm sorry, terribly sorry, I I made a mistake. Obviously, our our condolences to the Walorski family. Uh, Jackie did great work while she was. No, 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 no. He just kept going because he had no clue that she was alive or she was dead. He really thought she was still alive. Now, somebody who knew better is Corrine Jean-Pierre, the black and gay press secretary. She's black and gay, in case you didn't know that. you got to remember that. She's black and gay. They wanted you to know that from the moment they hired her, so we're going to continue to acknowledge that. She's black and she's gay, and she has the unenviable task of trying to explain why her boss was looking for a dead woman uh, in, the, uh, in the audience there at that event yesterday. Final one. What happened in the hunger event today? The president appeared to look around the room... Uh, for an audience member, a member of Congress who passed away last month, he seemed to indicate she might be in the room. What, so, what happened? 
So the president was, uh, as you all know, you guys were watching uh, today's event, a very important event on uh, food insecurity. The president was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work. He had uh, he had already uh, planned to welcome the congresswoman's family uh, to the White House on Friday. There will be a, a bill signing in her honor this coming Friday. Uh, so, of course, she was on his mind. She was of top of mind uh, for the president. He uh, looks very much looks forward to discussing her remarkable legacy of public service with them when he sees her family this coming Friday. He said, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She must not be here. No, I totally understand. I just I just explained she was on top of mind. Uh, um, you know, this wasn't what we were able to witness today and what the president was able to lift up. Uh, in this, uh, at this conference, at this event, uh, was how her uh, her focus on um, wanting to uh, uh, deal with, combat food insecurity in America, and this is something that he was lifting up and honoring. And he was looking for a dead woman at the event. Again, he knows that he's going to see her family this coming Friday. There is a bill signing uh, that's going. He probably thinks he's going to see her with her family at the bill signing. Going to happen in renaming a VA clinic in, in Indiana after the late Congresswoman. He knows that he is going to see her family, and she was a top of mind. You're going to hear the phrase top of mind 75 more times over the course of the next segment because I'm going to play shockingly. The questions of a curious press, an inquisitive press corps, which normally will not challenge anything that comes from this baffling, uh, confused press secretary, they actually found their intellectual curiosity, their journalistic curiosity, and they wouldn't let this go with, she was top of mind, and so he was just uh, commemorating her and calling her out. They wouldn't let it go. And the more they pressed... The worse it got. And you need to hear it because this is the leadership of the United States of America. 931, we'll get news now. We'll come back with more. AM 1420, the answer. up america from its woke slumber always right radio with bob france on the answer one thing i think i can say with some certainty at uh 938 now is that on october 22nd at the ix center neither brandon tatum nor hugh hewitt nor eric metaxas nor peter kersenow nor bob france will be looking for dead people in the crowd we will not be calling out the names of dead people that we hope would be there and then be a little disappointed when we find out, oh, they're not there. Okay, no. We're, we're going to be looking for somebody else. We're going to be looking for you. And we very much would like you, if you're alive, to be there. The Battleground Talkers Tour is coming up on Saturday, the 22nd. It's less than a month away at the IX Center. And we've been telling you about this for a couple of weeks, but yesterday we had phenomenal news for you. This event is sponsored, and so your ticket is covered it's been paid for you don't have to pay again you don't have to pay at all it has been paid for all you've got to do to join us 
and to rally together to win the most important midterm elections of our lifetime, maybe just the most important elections period of our lifetime, all you've got to do is go to the website and claim your ticket. Register at whkradio.com, whkradio.com. As soon as I made that announcement yesterday, the flood started. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to take some work. You're going to have to get in there early. You're going to have to go right now and register because it's a total first come, first served basis. All right. Does that make sense? Your ticket is paid for. You don't have to pay for it. If you already did, if you already bought one of the tickets for the event when you did have to pay for them, check your email. We're reaching out to you, and we are going to refund that money to you because we're not going to collect it twice. All you've got to do is go to whkradio.com, register for the Battleground Talkers Tour, and we will talk about everything that is so important to this country as we go into the November 8th election. It just cannot. The stakes can't be any higher. And I'm going to tell you the truth. The truth. I don't mean to be you know mean about this when I say this, but don't be selfish and just get your own ticket. Talk to family members and friends who don't know about this yet. Tell them. We're going to see Brandon and Hugh and Eric and Bob and Pete, and we're going to rally together. We're going to carry that momentum into November 8th. Uh, get tickets for family members. Get tickets for uh, friends. Of course, make sure they can make it. We don't want to have uh, uh, tickets that are that are not being used uh, wasted, so make sure people can go. But then get them registered. WHKRadio.com, WHKRadio.com. Bring as many people as you can who care about and are passionate about uh, this country and what we need to do to save it. If we learned anything at all from the last two years, we learned that we simply cannot survive two more years. We cannot survive two more years of the Biden economy, of the Biden cultural disaster, of the Biden border, of the Biden crime wave. We can't. We just can't. And the only way we can push back against that is if we control the legislature. It's that simple. The House and the Senate. We cannot survive two more years of unchecked Democrat power. That's the one thing we know. So uh, go to uh, whkradio.com and get those tickets registered for right now. Remember, the cost is already covered for you. Now let's get back to the cognitive decline of the President of the United States, which has taken on a whole new level. You know, you thought it was, again, we kind of chuckled at some of them, you know, with things you like know this. The, you know the thing. You know, he's, he's, he's trying to, oh, all people are, you know, and, uh, and God say, you know. You know the, you know the thing. You know, again, I've got a gaff reel here I could just play, and we could sit for the next 10, 15 minutes and laugh our heads off at, but this is too serious. This is more than just a gaff a day type of thing from, from, uh, from Joe Biden. He's looking for dead people in a crowd, and then he sends out his press secretary to spin it, to find a way to explain why he was doing what he was doing. Now, Corrine Jean-Pierre's first response to the press yes, a question yesterday was, well, you know, he was acknowledging the great work she did, so she was top of mind, and that's why he called her out. But he didn't call her out. He was looking for her, which led to reporter number two. Partners and allies. And just more quick, Bob, because I'm trying to get my head around the response. If the late congresswoman was top of mind for the president and her family was expected to be here and that's what he was thinking about what why was he looking for i'm not, I'm not trying to be snarky here no i mean and i'm no nope. saying and what he said there and again i think people can understand i think the american people out there who you know watch the briefing uh, from time to time maybe at this moment will understand when someone is at top of mind uh, and uh, and this was such an important uh, Again, she's going to ramble on about the importance of the food insecurity situation. She's going to ramble again about top of mind. She will not answer the question of why was he looking for her, because there is no answer to that question. 
And sooner or later, she's going to have to throw her hands into the air and say, I don't know, okay? He's an idiot. He said something stupid. He forgot because he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm out of here. See ya. Such an important event when we're talking about hunger, when we're talking about food insecurity, when we're talking about these champions, these congressional champions who were in the room, who have worked in a bipartisan way. Uh, you know, we don't talk much about bipartisan actions that we see in Congress at this time. And as he was naming folks, he, she was on top of mind, and he understands and knew that she was, he was going to see uh, her family on Friday uh, to, for this bill signing. Uh, again, I don't think it's all that unusual uh, to have... She doesn't think it's all that unusual for a person who made a public declaration of sadness and, and shock at the death of a member of Congress a month ago. She thinks it's not all that unusual at all for that person to be looking for the deceased in the room as he names members who were part of this important food insecurity bill. On top of mind, especially as there's a big event, uh, two big events today and also Friday, uh, that is going to occur. Okay, so uh, top of mind, got it, food insecurity and top of mind. Partners and allies. And hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second. Let's get to, let's get to question number three. Again, the, journal, the, the, the journalists in the press pool yesterday, actually remembered what journalism was like. Rather than just saying, got it, top of mind, food insecurity, problem solved. Take that, conservatives. Take that, Americans. He was fine. She was just top. He was uh, 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 Congresswoman uh, um, uh, Walorski was just top of mind and, and food insecurity. See, there's a simple explanation for this. Nope. They actually dug their heels in and said, wait a minute. He said, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She must not be here. No, I totally understand. I just, I just explained. She was on top of mind. Uh, um, you know, this wasn't what we were able to witness today and what the president was able to lift up uh, in this, uh, at this conference, at this event, uh, was how her, uh, her focus on um, wanting to uh, deal with, combat food insecurity in America. And this is something that he was lifting up and honoring. And, again, he knows that he's going to see her family this coming Friday. There's a bill signing uh, that's going to happen in renaming a VA clinic in, in Indiana after the late congresswoman. He knows that he is going to see her family, and she was a top of mind. Got that top of mind, uh, food insecurity, and bill signing ceremony coming up on Friday. See? Now do you understand how simple it would be just to, you know, look for a dead woman when they're top of mind? Reporter number four. Would you be prepared to release the prepared remarks that the president had in teleprompter just so we could understand? Uh, I'm not understanding why, why that would be, would be necessary. We always share uh, the remarks that the president uh, had, um, uh, even, you know, delivered. That's probably going to be on the website. Uh, not really sure what that has to do with anything. I just answered the question about her being on top of mind. I don't think that's any that's unusual. I feel I don't think it's unusual that he's looking for a dead woman by name from the podium in front of the press pool and thus the the entire world. I don't think it's unusual at all. Why would you want to see the transcript? Why would you want to see the president's prepared remarks uh to see what's in it? I mean, you know, I already explained this, you know, she was top of mind. This is this is incredible. Number five. No, but you're. But, but I, I. No, I hear you, Stephen. I'm I'm answering the question. That you're jumping to a lot of conclusions. I just answered the question. If I had said, if that had been the case, I would have stated that, right? I would clearly have stated uh, what you just laid out. 
uh, what I had said is that she was on top of mind. And that he what is, is that number 920 top of mind going to see her family in just two days time on Friday to honor her to honor her work to honor uh, to honor uh, her legacy if you will honor all you want but stop looking for her she's dead uh, I, I just mentioned this it's going to be a renaming of a VA clinic in you mentioned that three times now actually Indiana in her name and you know that is stop dancing Stop word salading. Answer the question. Is your boss losing his mind? Did he forget that the woman was dead? That is what he was thinking of. He was thinking about her uh, as he was as he was naming out and calling out uh, the congressional champions. But the other congressional champions were there. Here's why. They're alive. On this issue, on this really critical issue that's going to help millions of Americans. And... Nobody's arguing food insecurity isn't an important issue. But why is he looking for dead women in the crowd? That is, uh, that is, uh, that is what the president uh, was focused on. Okay. Uh, number six. Green, I have John Lennon top of mind just about every day, but I'm not looking around for him anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. That reporter won the day. I've got John Lennon top of mind 24-7, but I'm not looking around for him anywhere. Again, when did the press grow a set? When did the press finally find their intellectual courage and their journalistic curiosity to the point where they're not just going to stand there and listen to this this woman with a fourth-grade intellect explain uh, in, in ridiculously obviously illogical manners what joe biden was trying to say that day when did they finally realize they have to push back on these things this is a momentous occasion quite frankly and i hope maybe it spurs other reporters in other settings not just in front of kjp kareen jean pierre who's gay and black did you know that she was gay and black you have to know that she's gay and black to really appreciate the job that she's doing here she's gay and black that's what the white house told us um because it matters right you care who she is sexually attracted to, don't you? And you care what color she is, right? It's not about what she's saying. It's about what she looks like and who she likes to, to uh, go home to or who she likes to go out with or whatever. You, that, that matters to you, right? It mattered to the White House. They made sure to tell us that again and again and again. But people finally pushing back might lead to an actual um, media, an inquisitive media that is going to hold this entire administration to account. I know that's probably just... Uh, you know, wishful thinking, but this is a little bit unprecedented. They just cannot let this go, and they won't let this go, number seven. Okay, go ahead. 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 You can hear you can hear the one reporter in the background. They're talking over each other, saying these moments of confusion keep happening. So they're actually going to press her about his mental acuity. And another one jumping over that said, why doesn't he just apologize? Which is a good point. Why doesn't he just say, I'm sorry, I lost my head there for a second. Uh, of course, Jackie lost her life last month, and our thoughts and prayers are with her family. Let's move on. It could have been over, but he couldn't do that because he didn't know she was dead. He couldn't just apologize. He didn't think he did anything wrong. He didn't know because he is not of sound mind. This is a legitimate question. We need to have some answers. The reporters are, you know, literally for the last 20 months or however long it's been since uh, KJP took this job, 
It's been Peter Ducey and only Peter Ducey. Very rarely will anybody else ask a critical question, a follow-up question, a difficult question of KJP as she stands up there and tries to find a way to cover up for her completely mentally um, imbalanced and, and, and cognitively declining boss. Usually it's just been Peter Ducey. Now what have we heard? Five, six, seven, eight voices, and now they're shouting all over one another because they said we need to know what's going on here with the president's state of mind. At the end of the year, what can you tell us I'm about I'm sorry, that? somebody was yelling over you, so... Go ahead. You can hear you hear the uh, uh, the reporter in the back again saying, "I was asking you about the mental acuity of the president. This is a legitimate question. She doesn't want that question anymore because top of mind, food insecurity, signing event on Friday. It is not your turn to speak, and you're being rude to your colleagues. And let your colleague answer the question. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I. You're yelling and over your colleague. So that is incredibly rude. So can you We are not going to just settle for top of mind as an answer. I didn't quite get the exact wording there, but that's that was the gist of it. We're not just going to get top of mind for an answer. We need to know why was he looking for a dead woman in the room? Last one. Just to try one more time. Uh, does the president believe that and his reference to the late Representative Jackie Walorski, who you have said uh, from the podium numerous times he respects the work that she has done. He'll be meeting with her family um, to honor her work. Does he believe that he handled that reference appropriately, or is this something that he would like to get back? Get uh, what? Like to get back what? <laughs> and where is Jackie? Look. I know this is a, a question that many of you have had. I've answered it multiple times. Uh, Poorly, horrifically, impossibly, multiple times. You haven't answered it at all. You've answered the other question, which is, what was this uh, press conference about? Uh, food insecurity. Is there going to be a signing ceremony on Friday? Sure is. Was Jackie Walorski top of his mind? Yes, she was. You have not yet once answered, why was he looking for her in the crowd? Already in this room, uh, and my answer is certainly not going to change. Uh, all of you may have views on, on how I'm answering it, but I am answering the question uh, to the way that uh, he saw it uh, and the way that uh, we see it. Uh, you to- saw you saw the dead woman too, you 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 see it that way too. You were looking around looking for Jackie Walorski, just like Joe Biden. That's interesting. I remember as as well is that uh, you know this was an important event today. This Tell us event, again about food insecurity and how important this it was is. A event about how we're going to take the steps to get to to eradicate hunger. By 2030. Yeah, please tell and us more. That is something that the president takes very personally. That yeah, is something mm-hmm. that the, we wouldn't be doing this event. Are you saying that food insecurity was responsible for this because the president was like super hungry, and because he was super hungry, he was just like a little bit out of it, and that's why he thought he was uh, going to be able to recognize and look for and see a dead person in the crowd? Is that where we are? Here? Clearly, this is something that is important. Uh, clearly, this is something that he uh, really honors both Republican. And Democrats, yeah, yeah. Uh, congressional champions, uh, when it comes to this issue. Again, she was at the top of mind. <laughs> uh, he is going to be uh, seeing her family in two days to honor her, uh, to honor the work that she has done. And, um, and uh, you know, this was a remarkable legacy that she had, and we should be honoring that. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, he was trying to honor that. The problem was he was trying to look for a crowd in the crowd, look for a woman who is dead to try to honor her. I think uh, we could probably summarize um, what um, the black and gay press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, had to say this way. Uh, everything that guy just says, bullshit. That's about the summary. We'll be back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this Thursday. It's the 29th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thank you so much for being with us. We've got uh, got a lot of ground still to cover here, but I hope, and I, I spent almost the entire hour talking about what happened yesterday, but when you really, truly look at it and listen to it and see it happening before your very eyes, that we are being led by a man who is in such significant cognitive decline that he's looking for dead people in a room in a live po- in, a, in front of a live microphone or behind a live microphone in front of a room of people, cameras, and the world watching. Um, we are in very, very serious uh, uh, territory here. Um, and, and for them to not even attempt to just say, look, he had a bad moment, to actually say, no, it was perfectly normal. I don't know, understand what's so unusual about it. She was top of mind, and so he, he called her out. Well, he didn't call her out and recognize her. He called her out to say, hey, where are you? I'm looking for you. She's been dead over a month. It's a terribly, terribly serious situation, and I hope you understand it for what it was. Uh, it's not something to laugh at. A lot of the Biden gag reel we will laugh at. This is not a Biden gag slash gaff reel to laugh at. This is very, very serious because he is leading this country for better or, and obviously, worse. Uh, let's dive back into the culture wars now. It's the first time that I've spoken to our uh, regular Thursday guest in two weeks. I was in D.C. last week. Dr. Piper was on the road the week before. But Dr. Everett Piper, who is a best-selling author, he is a weekly columnist for the Washington Times. He is a podcast radio host in Oklahoma. His uh, podcast is called The Rebellion. You should look for it. He's also a candidate for county commissioner in his native Oklahoma as well. Dr. Piper, good to have you back. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's good to be back. Okay, so we've got a lot of ground to cover here. When I talk about culture wars, you know, I think the the most pressing issue for many of us, and we've got a situation here in Ohio you probably don't know about. Um, there's been a, um, a resolution introduced by a very strong, conservative-minded child protector in the Ohio Board of Education, whose name is Brendan Shea. He introduced a very lengthy um, and very uh, thorough resolution to be voted on by the board to stop the state of Ohio from adopting the changes to Title IX that are being pushed by the federal government and threatening uh, to withhold funds for um, for nutrition for the kids, uh, you know, for kids who receive free or reduced lunches. Uh, you don't go along with what we want to do and put little boys in little girls' locker rooms and put little boys on girls' sports teams and, and, and all the rest. You don't do that, well, then we're going to cut your funding. You won't be able to feed your poor kids. It's quite a, quite a directive from the Biden administration, but it's real. Anyway, uh, Dr. Piper, uh, here in Ohio, it is a very, very controversial uh, resolution. It shouldn't be, but it is. Uh, not sure how this vote is going to turn out in October when it comes up. But I watch Ohio, and I watch Wisconsin, uh, something that you and I shared uh, uh, digitally, uh, uh, electronically a short while ago. 
And I look at Oklahoma and I ask myself, how are red, generally speaking, red states? Ohio is, some people call it purple. I think it's a very red state. It's got two, you know, Trump won by eight points in two straight elections. We've got a, got a uh, Republican supermajority in the General Assembly, Repu- Republican governors almost all the time. All of the state elected officials are Republican. I consider it a red state. But yeah, here we sit fighting this fight to protect kids and to allow parents to have a say in this. And then I look to, uh, as you like to call it, the reddest of the red, Oklahoma. And I say, well, this must be at least the place to follow for advice, the place to follow for directions on how to fight and win this particular um, war over our children's minds and their bodies. And instead, we get some very disturbing stuff. Your state, the state of Oklahoma, is about to use taxpayer funds to uh, tr- uh, to um, uh, conduct transgender experiments and procedures and surgeries on kids. So that's a long introduction, Dr. Piper, to say, what's going on in the reddest of red states? Why can we not count on Oklahoma to be a driving force here for good? Well, for the same reason that you can't count on your supermajority in Ohio to do what's good. People are calling themselves Republican to get elected, but they're really not. They're no more conservative than the, than my dog is, and I, I need to apologize to my dog for saying that. <laughs> I mean, it, seriously, these guys in Oklahoma, I mean, we've got a supermajority in the Senate, in the House, and we've held the uh, governor's seat for, you know, for, for a long time. So... And when I say Oklahoma is the reddest of red states, technically it's true because there isn't one county that has gone blue in five successive presidential elections. So Oklahoma is red, right? No. Oklahoma is not red because you've got a bunch of purple rhinos that get elected on a conservative platform, and then they go down to Oklahoma City, and when they actually start to govern, they start doing stuff like what we're talking about right now. And what is that stuff? There is a program at the... Oklahoma University Med Center in Oklahoma City. In other words, it's run by the University of Oklahoma, okay? And it is a children's hospital. In that children's hospital here in Oklahoma, there is the Roy G. Biv program. What is the Roy G. Biv program? It's a program that promotes puberty blockers for minors as well as surgery for those that want to transition from male to female or female to male. That is here in Oklahoma. Now, you say, well, that's because it's a crackpot uh, state university, and all state universities are liberal. We all know that, Piper, so what's your beef? Well, the legislature of Oklahoma is in the process right now of granting $39 million of ARPA money to the University of Oklahoma, and they refused to hear a bill prior to that, um, that allocation of money. Prior to giving that money to the University of Oklahoma, our Republican legislature refuses to hear a bill that would make it illegal in the state of Oklahoma to engage in transition surgery or to refer our minors to any doctor that would do that in the state of Oklahoma. In other words, we've got using, some using public money. You mean correct? Right. Well, no, it would be illegal no. in the state of Oklahoma to do it at all. Okay. In other words, we're we've got good conservative legislators in Oklahoma who want to make it illegal to butcher children. That no minor, no minor should be subjected to a medical doctor who wants to remove his functioning healthy organs mm-hmm. or her functioning healthy organs. That should not happen in Oklahoma to minors. Now, who in their right mind would be against that? Why in the world would we be subjecting minors to this experimental surgery, to puberty blockers, to life-altering decisions 
for minors. Why is this controversial? Anybody in their right mind, whether they're atheist, agnostic, or Anglican, or Baptist, or Buddhist, should agree that it's wrong to subject minors to life-altering surgery that removes healthy organs. But in Oklahoma, we can't get our Republican Senate and our Republican House to even hear a bill that would make that illegal. And in the meantime, they're going to give $40 million, nearly $40 million, to the University of Oklahoma to continue this Roy G. Biv program. Now, I don't know if anybody knows that's listening to your show right now, who is Roy G. Biv? I mean, what man is being honored by this program at the University of Oklahoma? The answer is no one. It's not a real name. Roy G. Biv is an acronym for the colors of the rainbow. And they even admit that on their website, where on their website at this children's hospital, they actually promote these surgeries and these hormone therapies. I mean, this is happening in the red state of Tennessee. We've all heard the Vanderbilt story, where a woman, a professor at that university, was actually caught on mic saying that the reason they do these surgeries is because a quote-unquote bottom surgery, surgery below the waist, that's their language, bottom mm-hmm. surgery, can generate as much as hundred dollars to $400,000 per surgery. So this is money. It's driven by money, and it's driven by money here in Oklahoma, too, because there's $39 million in play right now that our Republican legislature is going to give to the University of, to Oklahoma University Med Center and their children's hospital to continue this nonsense. You and I have been talking for such a long time now. You are amazing at uh, at uh, predicting my questions because my question was going to be, "Who is Roy G. Biv?" You answer that, and the answer is astounding. Um, tell me more about this legislature. Tell me more why they refuse to hear a bill that would outlaw. I mean, I do have a an article or within the article that you shared with me, this quote from State Representative Rick West, this is child abuse. You've got to be 21 to buy a pack of cigarettes or buy a beer, but they can castrate you at age 12 or they can give you hormone treatments to slow down puberty. And it's so true. The reason you can't do those things until you're 18 or 21 is because it is believed by, I don't know, everyone, including doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, pediatricians, that the brain forms at such a slow rate in their formative years, kids can't make good, sound decisions on what they should do. And yet we're letting them make the decisions to have these radical surgeries and uh, chemical castrations and other things happen to them. So, Dr. Piper, what's up with this uh, this conservative legislature? Why will they not even hear the bill that you're talking about that would make this illegal? Uh, money. Um, because our Republican supermajority in Oklahoma is bought and paid for by the State Chamber of Commerce. They don't want to run contrary to the rainbow agenda, to the LGBTQIA, SJW, BLM, CRT, Alphabet Soup Mafia. They don't want to run contrary to them because... They'll lose money. In their mind, they'll lose money. They'll lose business. Companies will leave the state if they kowtow to the conservative voice such as yours and mine. That's what they're doing. So they're being driven by money. Now, they're also being deceptive. Because even in that article that I sent you where Kevin, or is his name Kevin, where Mr. West, Representative West, is quoted, he's saying that he doesn't support this Roy G. Biff program, but yet he's going to vote for the allocation of the money. Why? Because... They're going to give a check to Oklahoma University, and they're going to tell Oklahoma University, well, don't use that $40 million on that children's hospital Roy G. Biv program. You can't do that. Yeah, right. You're going, that, that would be akin. In Oklahoma, we've got all these ranches, right? We've got huge cattle ranches. If you've got a pond out on your ranch that's gone sour, that's poisoned, 
you can't go out there and dump five gallons of clean water into the pond and tell your cows just to go drink the clean water and ignore the fact that all the rest of the pond is poisoned. No, as soon as you put that water in the pond, the whole system is still poisoned. The water doesn't remain clean. You can't put one good apple in a barrel of bad apples and expect that one apple to remain clean. Likewise, you can't give this $40 million to OU and expect that $40 million to remain clean because OU has no restrictions on it to just do some internal accounting and move $40 million out of another account into this account and therefore continue to fund this children's hospital that on its website, as I speak right now, promotes transgender surgery for minors. They yeah. say for minors as well as hormone therapy for minors. I'm looking at it right now. He's exactly right. Uh, it's it's right there. Uh, the the things that they provide. They've got pictures of their smiling uh, doctors, quote adolescent medicine experts who are willing to do this to kids simply because kids are going through whatever phase it is they're going through, or whether or not they're even going through a phase. They are just trying to keep up with the Joneses and try to stay trendy and popular with their friends who are also making these strange um, uh, gender identity expressions. Dr. Piper, so let's go from the medical side of this to um, the education side of this, which is equally as important, of course. The more these kids are indoctrinated in the schools, the more of them want to say, yay, me too, sign me up, let me have this blocker, let me have this surgery, etc. So we'll go to the Wisconsin portion that I just mentioned. The Wauwatosa, if I'm saying it correctly, school board met Tuesday of this week, two days ago, to consider a motion to rescind sex ed curriculum. That was passed in August, uh, passed by the board by a six to one vote. That motion to rescind failed. And so the sex education will continue. Wauwatosa's new human growth and development curriculum will teach kindergartens, uh, kindergartners, excuse me, uh, about the body part names of their penis, their vulva, their anus, uh, their genitals, how they can be used, et cetera, et cetera. Second graders, will learn gender, second graders, seven-year-olds, gender stereotypes. Students won't be asked, uh, would be asked if certain toys are for boys or for girls, jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Try to cross them over with clothing and activities as well. Third graders uh, will be taught uh, on the issue of transgender. You might feel like you're a girl even if you have body parts that some people might tell you are boy parts, et cetera, et cetera. And it just continues and it progresses or regresses, if you ask me. Sixth graders will be taught. Sixth graders now, we are talking about 11-year-olds. Sixth graders will be taught about the various types of sexual activity in which they may engage, vaginal, oral, anal, and other forms of sexual activity. The same grade would learn about a range of identities related to sexual orientation, hetero, bi, lesbian, gay, queer, two-spirit, asexual, pansexual, etc. Again, that's a long setup for you there, Dr. Piper, but this is what leads to that. It is the educational indoctrination and, yes, sexual grooming of children that is leading to these kids wanting to go into places like the Oklahoma University Children's Hospital and have their body parts cut out. Take it from there. All right. So I sent a text to a state representative, my state representative in my area, a Republican. Um, He's actually almost a neighbor of mine, a rancher. I sent him a text yesterday telling him that I wanted him to vote against this funding in Oklahoma of the Roy G. Biv Children's Program, which does everything you just described in terms of transitioning, hormone therapy, and whatnot, to minors. I sent him a note saying, please vote against this, because we can't trust that the money will be used properly when you allocate that $40 million. His response to me was, hey, 
it, it won't be used for those surgeries or that hormone therapy. It'll be used to construct a hospital with more beds for the mentally ill, and we need it. Well, you think maybe you need more beds for the mentally ill because of what you're teaching our kids in these schools? Do you think maybe when you teach insanity to minors, you're going to get more insanity uh, that's inculcated into adults? Do you think maybe the mental health problem in Oklahoma goes back to the garbage that you're teaching in our schools? Garbage in, garbage out. And when you teach bad bad ideas, excuse me, you're going to get bad consequences. And the consequences in our culture with a bunch of kids that are threatening suicide and whatnot could just be the consequence. The consequence is the result of those terrible ideas that you just rattled off in the school system. If you want to, if you want to do something about the mental health issue in your state, then maybe you start you ought to start teaching ideas that are mentally healthy in your schools. Dr. Everett Piper joining us this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 1024. We'll take a short time out here. We'll come back and we'll talk briefly about why we continue to repeat the mistakes that we should have learned throughout our history. Dr. Piper's latest column for The Washington Times. We'll hit that next, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1027, i got three good minutes left to talk about Dr. Piper's latest Washington Times piece, which I think is very important. History is very important to me. And it, is, it should be to anybody who is really worried about the present. A lot of people, ah, it's over with. No, it's coming back at you. Uh, we have all heard the, the phrase in many different forms, uh, those who forget their history or those who fail to learn history are condemned to repeat it. Dr. Piper, that's what your entire piece was about this week, and it matters now maybe as much as ever. Tell us more. Well, I'm essentially trying to point everybody back to one of the books, the book, that has influenced Western civilization, in fact, all of the world, uh, quantitatively and qualitatively, more than any other book. And what would that book be? The Bible. The Bible. If we go back 3,000 years to the lessons that have stood the test of time, over 3,000 years, three millennia, what do we see? We see prophets such as Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos speaking of their times and warning of the consequences of bad ideas at their times that are identical, identical to the things that we're dealing with today. It might be wise of us to attend to the warning of Edmund Burke, for example, who said in the 18th century that we need to attend to the lessons of history and that history rightly understood and better employed will teach a civilized posterity to abhor the misdeeds of the past. And then George Santiana, that you essentially just quoted, he who doesn't learn the lessons of the past is doomed to repeat them. And then Winston Churchill comes along during World War, World War II and essentially says the exact same thing as Santayana when he says, if we don't learn the lessons of history, we'll be doomed to repeat them. You know, I had an old mentor of mine when I was a college president. His name was Dr. David McKenna, and he had a saying that I'll never forget. And the saying was this. The best predictor of future behavior is always past behavior. He's saying the same thing that Santayana and Churchill and uh, Burke are saying, and that is listen to history. Ideas that have been around for a while have been around because they've been proven accurate and true. Uh, C.S. Lewis talked about chronological snobbery and how we can't set aside the lessons of the past just because we come up with a new and popular idea today means nothing. It means nothing. We can't assume that the recent is the decent. That's a quote from J.I. Packer. What I'm trying to point out in my article is this. We've been warned. 
We've been warned 3,000 years ago. We've been warned 300 years ago. We've been warned 50, 60 years ago. We've been warned today that these ideas have been here before. There's nothing new under the sun. We've done this stuff before. We've committed these sins in the past, and they always lead to a predictable end result, and it isn't pretty. So what we need to do is attend to the lessons of our forefathers, and maybe we can dodge this bullet. Dr. Everett Piper, you know, maybe next week we'll talk more about that because the conundrum for me is that we've never been down this road before, the specific road of the trans movement and the mutilation of children uh, to fit an ideology or to fit a... uh, uh, an agenda. Uh, but we do have lessons from the past that we can talk about, about the way kids have been used and the way families have been abused in order to do those things. So uh, there, there's a connection to be drawn, but it's going to take a little bit of time, and maybe that's something we can work on next week. Dr. Everett Piper, always a pleasure. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Blessings. Take care. 10.30, news time now. On the other side, we're going to talk with Nan Baker, Cuyahoga County Council District 1. Uh, It's time for the annual pancake breakfast. It's wonderful. It's a great event, and it's with great cause, and uh, you're going to hear from some great people. We're going to talk to her about that next. Don't forget, coming up at the top of the hour at about 11.10, Dennis Prager joins me live right here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420. The answer. Join us. Reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. 1037 now we do indeed continue. By the way, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we had Dr. Everett Piper at the tail end there talking about the most important book ever written, and that is the Bible, and talking about analysis and, and so forth. And coming up at 1110, and uh, about a half an hour from now, Dennis Prager is going to break it down. His latest in the Rational Bible series is the Rational Bible Deuteronomy. Uh, it is uh, going to be released on October 11th, and it's extraordinary. And we're going to talk to Dennis Pigger about that coming up. So make sure you are here for that. Now I want to welcome back to our program for the first time in a bit, Nan Baker, Cuyahoga County Council Representative District 1. And she is ready to go with the 15th. Nan Baker, how many how many uh, annual pancake breakfasts does this make now? Is this number 15? Well, uh Thank you for allowing me to be on your show. It's really a pleasure to, uh, and an honor, really, Bob, to be part of your show today. Gosh. Um, It is our 13th annual, and actually, it's my 13th annual. We took it over from Jim Petro, Mm -hmm. who had it for years before that. So we're well past 25 years. Wow. If you want to, yeah, talk about tradition and at the Umberley Center in Rocky River. It's been uh, quite a milestone for us, too continue it for him and it's just been uh, wonderful getting everyone together and it's a very exciting time for us this sunday well that's fantastic and i love the fact that you did take it over uh so 13 i was off by a couple of years uh sunday this coming sunday the second 9 a.m until noon at the umerly center in uh, uh uh rocky river as nan just said right. and what an event and what a lineup of people that are going to be there for this uh oh you know what i'm silly i just found it actually on the website it says 13th annual i should have checked it before i guessed 15 but you've got some wonderful people there are going to be there including the uh republican candidate for county executive to lead the county you are serving right now as a council member uh lee weingart yes. um yeah i'm so excited to know that he's going to be there and meeting with people and uh talking with potential yep. voters we are we have uh every statewide candidate and official coming so attorney general and 
Ohio Auditor of State and uh, Secretary of State, Treasurer. Um, our congressional candidate, Max Miller, will be there. Um, of course, Matt Dolan and Tom Patton and Michael Lamb, who is a candidate for the 16th Ohio District. Uh, I've been helping him on his campaign, and we're very encouraged that he is going to get that seat back that should have been uh, ours uh, as Republican. So um, very excited about that, too. And all our mayors, and um, I think we'll have some judges stop by. I think our um, Ohio Supreme Court justices uh, may stop by. So we have quite a lineup. Um, we also have a special guest, uh, Bob Hope Jr., which is new for our breakfast this year. I met him at another event and very, uh, very uh, welcoming man. And I'm looking forward to our guest meeting him too. But uh, Lee Weingart is someone that we want to make sure people hear from and me personally. And I think he'll have a room full of people that uh, will be anxious to talk to him. Yeah, we're talking with uh, Nan Baker, Cuyahoga County Council member. Um, I, I've done a few events with Bob Hope Jr. over the years. He's a great guy, uh, a very, very mm-hmm. uh, a gracious person, and I'm so glad you're going to have him there. I think a lot of people will enjoy meeting him. Uh, but back yeah. to Lee Weingart, because this is so crucial. Um, you know, it's been an uphill battle uh, for, you know, a Republican, all of the Republicans who have tried to win uh, the county executive position, and we've had some great people, including Jack Schron in the past. And uh, right. I have a great feeling, though. I, I interviewed Lee last week and um i just I, I i felt an energy and i listened to some ideas that i think are going to resonate with a lot of cuyahoga county voters maybe the way that they haven't in the past and i feel like this might be the very best chance for a republican to bring new ideas to the position of county executive you know i i do i do believe so too he has been um just relentless in his campaigning you see him everywhere he is always on the top of his game always a positive attitude, um, just just full of energy. So I think that uh, he is connecting with people. I think some of the uh, platforms that he has been expressing when it comes to tax reform and uh, property tax lowering for our seniors, those are resonating topics that um, gets, it gets people's attention. So um, I would be wonderful to serve with Lee Weingart. I think he would be a strong leader, which we sorely lack. I hate to say that, but it's true. It's true. Our Yes, our current uh, executive thankfully realized he needs to step down and um, opened up the door then for Lee to be able to run for an open seat. So uh, uh, I'm encouraged. You know, we're, um, like I said, he's everywhere talking to anyone who will talk to him and has some good ideas and uh, very, very strong in his presence. Yeah, there's no question about it. He is, and I think that's a great opportunity. And you're going to have some other great people that you just mentioned, uh, uh, state representatives. You mentioned uh, other county council members and mayors and so forth. It's going to be great. Can you give me just just a brief history? You mentioned you took it over from Jim Petro, so the whole event of the Pancake Breakfast is now over 25 years strong. What's the origin? What was the goal? What was the reason this became such an important event? Oh, boy. Now, that's going back many years and even (laughs) before my time. (laughs) Okay, well, you know, then, then, you know um, what we can do then is, is why did you feel the need to take it over? Oh, why was it so important okay. to you? Thank you. That, that's a better question for me. You got um, it. I used to go to um, many of the um, Jim Petro breakfasts, probably more towards the end, and as I was a school board member and city council member and got to um, try and understand the district and, and what it was about, uh, and Jim Petro had these breakfasts. 
So we decided to go and meet people, and it was just a place that uh, everyone got together. And it's a happy place, and everyone's happy. They're eating pancakes. They're talking to each other. You know, a lot of the people that are on my campaign team, some of the only ways they know each other is through my campaign team (laughs) that they've met uh, by distributing things and getting together and stuffing envelopes and walking door to door and and even helping on this breakfast. They're all volunteers. There isn't anyone that's being paid. Um, And they're very, very excited about it. Um, So I I think it's just uh, something that we need to continue as a tradition for the Republican Party. I think the, the county needs it. I think people are getting to know what kind of breakfast it is and look forward to it. We were kind of shut down for the last couple of years with the pandemic and Right. So this is really the first one back, and I think that brings an added excitement. I think that's why I jumped to fifteen. I kind of the last two, you know, weren't <laughs> yes. held. I think that's why that's it should right. have been fifteen. That's, but yeah, yeah, we, we had, yeah, we had the pandemic <laughs> shutting it down. Um, if I may, Nan, just um, give me your overview of the state of the county right now. Uh, I think you're accurate when you talked about the need for new leadership and the reason uh, why the current executive should step down, and we really hope that Lee Weingart is able to reach a lot of people. But beyond just the political part of it, um, yeah. what 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 should be the top agenda item or two for the county council moving forward? Because Cleveland itself, the city proper, is... Um, is going through a very tough time in terms of uh, you know crime, in terms of law enforcement being understaffed. Uh, right. A lot of a lot of businesses are struggling. Uh, some are doing well, but I mean you know, and I don't want to limit it to just Cleveland, obviously. But there's um, there's a lot mm-hmm. of work that has to be done. What do you say, as a member of this county council, would be the top agenda item or two going forward? Well, for me, and it has always been this: whether I served at the Ohio House and chaired the Economic Development Committee where I'm vice chair with Jack Schramm, who's chair of the Economic Development Committee. It's really all about jobs. It's all about giving people the skills they need so they can get a good-paying job and not be dependent on government. If we can do that, we have just accelerated what we can do for Cuyahoga County. I mean, creating an environment for jobs is everything. That's what we need to be working on. And a lot of other things that we are dealing with that are problems or we don't have funding for will take care of itself. Because there's nothing like people working and contributing and taking care of their families and not being dependent on that check coming in from a resource that they didn't work for. So that, I think, will continue. I mean, it's continued since I started at the House. It's continued for the last six years, and we need to do the same. We've made some progress. Like I said, the pandemic has has set us back. But it really is about making sure that people have the skills, the workforce training, encouraging those that want to come to Cleveland to live, that bring resources to come. And if we create an environment that is a low-tech and welcoming county, businesses will come. But, you know, those are things that, uh, that is a constant, unfortunately, sometimes a constant struggle in pushing back on some of the increased taxes and increased regulations that we want to pass. And I've been pretty vocal about it and have had my share of no votes on county council. But um, overall, you know, that's where I would like to see the county go. You know, on the issue of jobs, the flip side of it, Nan, we're talking with Nan Baker, who is uh, hosting the 13th, her 13th annual uh, pancake breakfast coming up on Sunday. And we'll tell you about the uh, specifics on that again in a moment. Um, 
the flip side of it is, of course, the, the number of businesses, whether they're in Cuyahoga County or anywhere else, that can't get people to come to work. It's one thing to train right. and educate and, and hire people, but it's another thing to get them to come out and apply and then actually stay on the job. So many people, it, in my estimation, got used to being paid to stay home during COVID and during some of the what I think are some ridiculous policies. Um, right. They got used to that, and uh, they won't take a job that they can't work from home, or they won't take a job that is a little bit too difficult for them or doesn't pay them an extraordinary amount. So we all know, and every time my family goes out somewhere in uh, to patronize a business in Cuyahoga County, we find it. We find that shortage of staff, please be patient with mm-hmm. us, et cetera. So how, right. do, how do we balance the need for more jobs, as you point out, and the need to right. get people to fill them once they're created? Well, we need to stop the government subsidy. Pandemic is over. It's over. So once we recognize that, some of our county council members don't, but we need to recognize that it's over. Rent subsidies, food subsidies, mortgage subsidies, all these things that make it easier to stay home need to end. Once that ends and people find that they need money to survive and they don't qualify for a government subsidy, they will go back to work. And that's I think, the key to it all. But yet we keep reinforcing that the pandemic is still there. People are still suffering. They need more, more, more. And uh, that really, ironically, is actually hurting us because we're not helping them when we can't get them to stand on their own two feet and go out and look for a job and improve themselves and their quality of life. There's no better way for anyone to feel good about themselves and their family is when they can support them. And so I think this is a limited problem. Eventually, subsidies have to go away. I mean, how much more can we afford? Uh, and you will see then the need to go back out and work and, and make a living and bring money back to your family to take care of them. I think that's well said, and uh, and and it's it's a difficult thing. It's uh, we've never faced anything quite like this before, where people got used to being, you know, having their living subsidized for them, and uh, right. that you that you have to go out to go out there and make your own way again is something that I guess has to be relearned by some. Uh, Nan Baker mm-hmm. is our guest. She is a Cuyahoga County Council Member, of course, in District One, and this is the 13th annual Pancake Breakfast that's coming up. A tremendous event on Sunday, the second. Um, Lee Weingart will be there. Jack Schron will be there. Uh, Kimberly Bartlett. Uh, Jack Schron, yes. Just so I don't want to interrupt you. Jack Schron cannot make it. He is sponsoring my breakfast, but he cannot oh, make okay. it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I had his name on the list. I didn't realize there was a change. Okay. Uh, thank you no for that problem. clarification. But a whole host sure. of uh, elected officials and supporters uh, in the Republican Party. Special appearance, as Nan pointed out, by Bob Hope Jr. Uh, America the Beautiful is going to be sung by Aria Calderhead. Um, it's just going to be Beautifully a great Beautifully done. Time. It's at Beautifully. Aria the... is Every time she sings, and she's a tradition now in my breakfast, we just say, this is what we came for. I mean, it's just so beautifully sung. Anyone who can come, and she's coming out about 10 to 10. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, it's a three-hour event. So when is the uh, performance going to be so people can be there by that time? So Right. I I have her uh, 10 to 10, and she's kicking off the program. So after that, then we'll allow everybody to speak for two or three minutes and get to know everyone that's, uh, that's there. But... Just a remarkable singer, and um, like I said, after she's finished, we all say, are we done? Because it was just that alone was worthwhile, just to, <laughs> just to hear her sing that beautiful song. 
Do it again. <laughs> yes, do, and See. you know what? She does so that everyone in that's there can sing along with her. She that's, does it twice. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, it's going to yeah. be a great event. It's Sunday at the Umerley Civic Center in Rocky River. Uh, you can be a sponsor of this event. You can attend this event. Tickets are just $5 for adults. Children uh, from 5 to 12 are $3, and if they're under 4 they are free. And um, yes. is it just everything just at the door, Nan? Uh, is any, is yes. Any... At this point, uh, it's just at the door. We have a welcoming okay. table with volunteers that will welcome you. All the mayors of the West Shore are going to be there to greet. Great. So you're, you'll get a taste of, of our West Shore district. As soon as you walk in that door. Yeah, you know, that's the one thing we haven't talked about is the actual pancakes. We just because it's yeah. a great event. You go have <laughs> a great breakfast, right. enjoy yeah. yeah, enjoy a great meal with some great people, mm-hmm. with some great camaraderie and uh and patriotism right. uh on Sunday. Uh Nan Baker, right. thank you for doing this again and thank you for coming on and telling us all about it. I know it's gonna be a great event. And thanks for letting everybody know by nine fifty, be there by nine fifty to make sure that you hear Iria uh doing the America the Beautiful. Nan, thank that's you so right. much. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Bob. Take you care. God bless. All right, it's 10.52. We'll take this time out. Uh, do not forget, we've got Dennis Prager coming up after the top of the hour. He'll be live. I have hosted his show much, much more often than he has visited mine. So this is going to be a rare occasion here where Dennis is going to be actually talking with us on uh, Always Right Radio here on AM 1420. Take Bob on the go by downloading the WHK Radio app on the Google Play Store. Ten fifty seven now as we continue on Always Right Radio, AM fourteen twenty the answer. Thanks again to Nan Baker. We spoke last hour, uh, or I should say top of the last hour, uh, which we are wrapping up now with uh, Dr. Everett Piper. And coming up at eleven ten, <clears throat> I'm very much looking forward to this. You know, Dennis uh, Prager has written uh, this series of books uh, on the, the Rational Bible, and you know he he breaks things down really the way that only a true biblical scholar and expert can, and maybe even very few of those, um, answering some questions that many people who, who are not even faithful people have um, about the Bible. And I'm very much looking forward to doing this because I've heard him preach, not literally, but talking about these things and these issues that he covers in the book on his program, but I've never had a chance to answer that follow-up or ask that follow-up question about some of the important ground that he covers here. So we're going to do that after the top of the hour. You're going to want to be here for that. His latest is the Rational Bible Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is very different uh, compared to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and we're going to talk to him about what that means. There's a lot of things that relate the Bible to modern-day uh, you know, uh, society and men and women, and uh, we're going to talk about it with Dennis Prager. And before we get there at the top of the hour or after the top of the hour, I want to remind you... <clears throat> Tickets are a flying uh, very, very quickly for the Battleground Talkers Tour, especially now that you found out that your ticket is covered. Your p- ticket is already paid for. We've got a sponsor, and we've got it covered now. So that means you don't have to buy it and pay for it twice. Here's what you've got to do, though. You've got to claim it by registering at whkradio.com, whkradio.com. Make sure you claim your ticket. First come, first serve. And as I said in the open, don't be greedy and just get your own. Talk to family members and friends to find out if they can make it on October 22nd at the IX Center as well and get tickets for everybody. Bring them. Let's pack the place. Let's rally together with Brandon Tatum, Hugh Hewitt, Eric Metaxas, Peter Kersenow, and yours truly. And let's uh, carry that momentum all the way to the ultra-important 
important November 8th midterm elections. We're back after the news with Prager on AM 1420, The Answer. Low time in North Olmstead. Charlie Kirk explains just how far they're going. There have been objectors of every major election in the last 20 years. Did they receive subpoenas? They want a one-party state. The Constitution stands in the way. It's the only thing we have left. And they're using every piece of power at their disposal to expunge the one political party that still reveres the United States Constitution. The Charlie Kirk Show, weekdays at noon, right before Dennis Prager at 1 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward we roll into hour number three now, eight minutes past 11 o'clock on this Thursday, the 29th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thanks again to Nan Baker. Thanks again to Dr. Everett Piper. Appreciate their perspectives on a host of things. Do not forget, while you are listening... Uh, go ahead and tap it out on your browser right now, whkradio.com. Get your tickets for the Battleground Talkers Tour. They're going very, very, very fast. October 22nd at the IX Center to see Tatum and Hewitt and Metaxas and Kersenow and myself. Very much looking forward to it. I have spent time on stage with our next guest at events just like this one, and he is going to be a part of that Battleground Talkers Tour as well, just not uh, uh, at the one in Cleveland. He's uh, also busy promoting his latest masterpiece in the Rational Bible series. Uh, The Rational Bible Deuteronomy is released on October 11th, so it's coming up very, very quickly. And, of course, you know the author would be none other than the brilliant Dennis Prager, who joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Dennis, my friend, good morning. Thank you so much. How are you, sir? It's worth it just to hear your introduction. (laughs) Well... It is uh it is it is with the deepest sincerity that I that I say those words, Dennis. It's uh it, it's so good to talk to well, you. I really wish I was gonna be able to share a stage with you again. I know this is uh our event happens to be on a Saturday, a Sabbath, so we're not able to have your presence at this one. But uh at Battleground Talk before we get into the, the um Rational Bible Deuteronomy, uh that talkers tour is extremely important around this country, isn't it? Oh, that listen, we we do it uh every other year four elections, mm-hmm. uh, I, I cannot emphasize it strongly enough that people have to just overcome the 
very human urge to stay home rather than go out. I totally get it. I am like that myself. But uh, everyone who comes will be uplifted. And this is a time when people need terribly to be uplifted. There, this is the darkest time in American history since the Civil War. And we need each other. We need to show support. It, it, look, it, it's very clear. The more people that come, the bigger the statement that people know what's happening in the country and they know the significance of the upcoming elections. So my, my appeal to people is moral. <laughs> you have a moral obligation to go. You know, none of us are doing this for money. Uh, uh, you know, if I'm leaving L.A., you can leave your house. <laughs> <laughs> very well said. You're going to be on the road in various cities yeah, and battleground exactly. states. Exactly. Right. All we're saying is drive from Parma to you know to the IX Center, or drive from Bay, or drive from Seoul into the. Yeah, that's very well said. We we can all do our part, and it is important to get yeah. together and rely upon one another to uh, carry the energy that's needed from uh, you know from the date uh, October 22nd to Election Day on November 8th. So it's extraordinarily important. As is Dennis yeah. Prager, uh, your 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 latest. Uh, before we get into some of the specifics about um, the rational Bible, Deuteronomy, uh, you know, in the release that that you've got out for this, you know, you talk about and you talk about this on your program all the time. And I love the fact that you preach and teach the rational Bible to people of all faiths, just not Jews, not just Christians, but in feed, indeed people of of no faith whatsoever. And in the release, you know, it, it asks, or you ask, um, is the Bible still relevant? And if not, why do people dismiss it as such, as either irrelevant, irrational, immoral, or all of these things? Uh, is it irrational for, for people to believe that God does not exist and that this book is just a, is a book of fanciful stories that were made up for, for nefarious purposes? Well, there are so many answers to this. I... I my biggest challenge is to condense it in, into a, f a few paragraphs. Uh, on the issue of God, the uh, uh, my I can only speak for me. My route to faith is through reason. I I have uh, not gotten any appearances from God in my life. And I say that with complete seriousness. There are people who do feel that they they have uh, in some way been contacted by God, and I, and I honor that. Uh, mine is reason. Uh, I, I'll go now to a, a different take that uh, is is meant sincerely, uh, and and again is not, I don't think, typical. If the anti-religious forces of the West produced fine human beings, wise human beings, kind human beings, uh, my faith would be challenged because I believe that. God is necessary, that the Bible specifically is necessary for wisdom. The uh, the most secular institutions in this country are the dumbest, literally the dumbest, the most foolish, the most dangerous, the universities. They come up with horrible ideas. Uh, it was intellectuals who supported the greatest mass murderers in history, Mao and Stalin. It, it wasn't non-intellectuals. Uh, this is not new, therefore. So the secular left produces awful human beings, not liberals. Liberals are weak, but they're not awful. Some of them are very kind and sincere. 
Oh, by the way, some leftists are, are sincere as well, just, just for the record. Uh, sincerely evil people uh, is not an oxymoron. But they didn't. So, in other words, they didn't produce a decent world. I am affirmed daily in the, in the uh, incomparable significance of the Bible by the anti-Bible world's behavior and outlook. Finally, I, I have devoted all these years to writing a commentary on each of the first five books because, and this will sound odd to some religious people, but I can prove it. I just I don't think uh, I want to get into that, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to get into anything. The first five books of the Bible are the most important books of the Bible. Old Testament, certainly, and uh, Christians will determine what they think are the most significant. However, I think even for Christians, first of all, that's what Jesus lived, that's what Jesus preached, that's what Jesus read, that's what Jesus knew. Uh, this is the, these are the books that tell you about creation, the Garden of Eden, the Exodus, the Ten Commandments, love your neighbor, love God. It is all in the first five books known as the Torah. If people understand how relevant and powerful and brilliant those books are, uh, it will change their life. We are talking, if you didn't recognize the voice, I don't know how that could be, but if you didn't, Dennis Prager is our guest. Dennis's latest book in the Rational Bible series is Deuteronomy. Dennis, um, what's different about Deuteronomy compared to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, uh, the other four books of the Torah? Right. Why is well, this one so much different? This will blow your mind as it did mine. Scholars, I'm not even sure they're religious, they just simply did a, a word search for what books the founders of America quoted the most, secular and or religious. And to my amazement, they determined that the single most frequently cited book, including Enlightenment books, was Deuteronomy. That was their guideline on how to produce a good society. So just letting people know, the founders thought it was the book most worth citing. It has the most laws in it, 240. Moses repeats the Ten Commandments, and his variations on God's Ten Commandments in Exodus are utterly fascinating. I, I believe the Ten Commandments is the document that could save the, the world. If people simply lived by the Ten Commandments, the world would be a beautiful place. And I have devoted my life to spreading the, the brilliance of the Ten Commandments. I just gave uh, 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 two-part speeches on Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, because I conduct services uh, for the, this is the 15th year I'm doing so, just on Honor Your Father and Mother. My column this week is on the, the brilliance of the Ten Commandments, making it the fifth of the commandments. It is the only commandment between human beings and the first set of five. The first five are, the first four are about God, and the fifth, which is on the same tablet, is about man. In other words, honoring your parents is the conduit to honoring God. I, the, the brilliance of the Ten Commandments uh, is, convinces me that God is behind it. Dennis, um, when you talk about the first five books being the most important books of the Bible, too, um, that's tough for some Christians. 
simply because, you know, there's Old Testament, New Testament, and people who believe in Jesus as God and the, and the Son of God look back to some of the things in the earlier books of the Bible and say, well, this kind of corrects some of those things, that the New Testament corrects some of the Old Testament. Now, I, of course, am not speaking firsthand about this. I am a Christian Catholic, but I am not a biblical scholar, as are you, at all. But how do you explain to them um, the the differences or the perceived contradictions from Old to New Testament and declare that the most important books are the first the first five books of the Bible? If there were no Torah, there would be no Christianity, because there would be no prophets. The Christian believes, of course, that Jesus is prophesied in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Everything the prophets believed comes from from those first five books. Original sin, one of the most important concepts, the Ten Commandments, the the bulwark of of moral law, this is all from these first five books. I'm not negating the significance of others. I'm just saying everything rests upon those five books. And and I, I would, look, I've dialogued with major Christian figures often, I love it because I'm such a big fan of America's Christians. If Christianity fails, America is doomed. It's as simple as that. In fact, I look at Christianity as the vehicle for spreading the Torah to the world. The greatest Jewish philosopher who ever lived said that. It was Christians who brought the Torah to the world. And and, and, and that, was, that was the book that... that that Jesus lived when he said, I didn't come to change a jot or a tittle. What is he referring to? The, all the laws are in those five books. If people read the 4,000 reviews on Amazon, most are from Christians, and virtually everyone says, I am a Christian, Prager is a Jew, and he has strengthened my Christian faith. Just people should read the reviews. And, That's and remarkable. That's an almost that, that's an almost miracle. Uh, I mean, it's almost literally miraculous for a Christian to say that a Jew who doesn't believe in the exact same thing that I do has strengthened my faith in my in, in my own faith in Christianity. That's that's incredible. Well, Bob, I'm going to tell you something that may blow some of your listeners' minds, but I, I I stand by it and I'm proud of it. I believe that I have brought more people back to church than any living Christian. You know what, Dennis? That doesn't blow my mind. I, I, I can I can understand that. And and for some of the reasons you just described, I'm sure, in those thousands of reviews that you're talking about, because you do. You don't you don't you don't create a battle between Judaism and Christianity. You recognize the importance of one on the other and uh and, and if that doesn't if that doesn't especially when you talk about the, the you know the secularism that that I think has polluted our country and our society, maybe even worldwide, you know, the lack of faith whether it be, you know, as a Jew or as a Christian, the secularism, the damage that it has done, you underscore that's that. Right. You that's underscore exactly that as point. well as anybody ever has, in my view. Uh, and then, yeah, that, if that doesn't take you back to the to the church, I don't know what would. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and I, my wife was present, so I have a living witness. When I spoke to uh, young Christians in uh, in the Czech Republic uh, two years ago. And uh, I, it was a very moving evening, and a, and a young man, about 25, 28, came over to me, and all the others heard this. said, I just want you to know, Ben Shapiro brought me to conservatism 
and you brought me to God. And I have the chills as I recount this to you. And of course, he's speaking to me as a young Christian man. And, and, and that I did this to, to a young man in the Czech Republic. And by the way, my response was, you have no idea how much you moved me. Just remind people that it was two Jews who did that. That is wonderful. And I can't even imagine how that must make you feel. It's part of the reason for my energy. Dennis, one of the reasons, that, or one of the things, rather, that I love about listening to you on the show and, and reading you uh, is how you're able to take the Old Testament, how you're able to take these thousands of year old words uh, and make them applicable today. You relate them to today in ways that a lot of people cannot do. Um, in this book, your most recent now, um, uh, The Rational Bible Deuteronomy, you talk about a commandment that says neither sex may wear the clothing of the other sex. Now, obviously, we're in this very strange trans movement of the day, and uh, people are being encouraged to experiment and dress and act and pretend to be whatever it is that they want to be. I didn't know that this language was in the Bible. Can you tell us That's what right. that means, uh, this, uh, this, this commandment? As you well, you talk about being contemporary uh, and relevant. Yeah, right? I, you, you can't get more relevant. The The Torah is adamant from the beginning of creation to the end of Deuteronomy. There are two sexes. God created the human being in two sexes. Male and female, he created them. That is in the Genesis story. It is the only distinction that is inherent to the human being. There, no other distinction is inherent. There are males and there are females. It doesn't say God created different races. It doesn't say God created different anything. Only the only difference that is inherent and immutable is sex. That there will be a handful of people who have gender dysphoria does not in any way negate what I just said. And that is why the only bulwark against this gigantic lunacy that men menstruate and men give birth is the religious community. And uh, I, I make this clear with with that sentence. It's right. It, it is a ban. You A man can't wear women's clothes. It's as simple as that. Dr- drag queen story hour is forbidden by the Bible, just for the record. As it should be. I wish it was forbidden by, by secular law as well. Um, you know, and, and no, I wish it when was you forbidden say... by, by mothers and teachers who take five-year-olds to see it, and, and who who rob these children of their sexual innocence. That's what's so astonishing. No, you're exactly right. And, and the mother's part, of course, is there is a movement, there is a pushback for parents to be able to have more say. Now, of course, I'm not talking about the ones that, as you point out, voluntarily take their kids to these quote-unquote shows, but, but the parents who are alert, alert and the parents who are alarmed by what is being done are trying very, very hard to reclaim. And whether it's because of their faith and their belief in, in, in the Bible or in the words that we're speaking of, or whether it's just because they know it's highly inappropriate, to try to sexualize young children or to teach them about sexuality in any way, shape, or form. They're pushing back. Do you have faith that, um, you know, both science and religion will come together here and, and give parents the right to steer their kids away from this, this, this grooming lifestyle that they're, that they're forcing upon them? I don't know. 
I, I, I'm, I'm totally honest with you. I, I, I'm asked a lot, totally understandably, do I have hope, do I have faith, am I optimistic? Uh, I, I'm somewhat of a, a, an odd soul, I guess. I'm neither pessimistic nor optimistic in general in life. My question is not for me to me. I don't ask, do I have hope? Do I have a faith? Do, do I have optimism? I ask, what do I have to do? That, 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 is, that is the question that everybody, I think, should be preoccupied with. Did the guys who stormed Normandy Beach have faith that they, that they wouldn't get killed by Nazi machine guns? I don't know. I only know that they, they peed in their pants before they went on the beach. But they went on the beach. That's the point. I know that, that God wants me to bring these ideas. God wants you. God wants any of us who take this seriously to fight for the best ideas that were ever given to humanity. And if we don't fight, we have failed. You can go to church every week, but if you don't fight for what is taught at the church, uh, with all respect, you're a useless religious person. So if I heard your analogy correctly, you know, to the Normandy uh, uh, invasion, we don't know if we're going to win, but you cannot right. not fight. You cannot not fight. You have to fight whether, whether, whether yes, you know the outcome right. otherwise, or not. Otherwise, otherwise, I don't understand what your faith means. What, what do you have faith in? That, that you don't have to do anything? God doesn't care what you do? Is that, is that the message that a person of faith actually takes seriously or, or promotes to others? Uh, uh, the, the models of, of people who have fought for their faith, died for their faith, are they useless models? Are the guys who stormed Normandy Beach, did they make useless sacrifice? I mean, everybody has to confront this. And, and I'm not asking you to go in front of a machine gun. I'm, a, I'm asking you to go to a school board meeting, or even better, take your kids out of school. Well, and people need to know. Um, the outcome is almost the same as going in front of a machine gun. If you don't stand up and fight back here, I mean, we are talking about the death of our of our nation's soul and of our children's souls as well if we do not fight for them. Um, Dennis, last thing before you go, and you know the radio clock. I've already blown past it just because this is a, an important interview for me. Um, did you learn as much as you write, have written the Rational Bible as you've taught have I learned as much as I've written? No. Have you learned as much as you've taught? You write these to teach people, and you educate people of all faiths and no faith, etc. But you have to do the work, and you have to research. Do you learn more every time you read Deuteronomy oh or God. any of the books of the you, Torah? The Do you hardest, learn as much as you teach? <laughs> the hardest thing is for me to say, I, I've written, the commentary is over, I'm going to the next book, because I know the next day, I will learn something or have an insight that I forgot to put in. <laughs> it's, it's a truly, to write a commentary on the Bible may be the most frustrating work a person can engage in. So how many times have you picked up the phone and called the publisher or the editor and said, hold on, I'm not done, I got, I got more for that well, one. Well, <laughs> let, let me say this, it goes through an editorial process of five brilliant people each a specialist in a different area of life, one in logic, one in writing, one in Bible, one in typos. Uh, it's and, and, and I'm thrilled whenever they find an error, because it means that error didn't get through. 
this this is very powerful stuff, and and I I really I I ask people to get it the and to give it as a gift. Uh, it, it will it will open their minds to the greatest works ever written. And the next one is Deuteronomy, called the Rational Bible. And I, I Bob, it is. It, to speak to you about this is a great joy. Well, it's uh, it's a, it's an honor for me and a pleasure. I, I have uh, the Amazon link on my webpage now, the Always Right Radio webpage. Is there another page you want to point people to as far as where they can order this book or pre-order this book? Yeah, Amazon is fine. A- anywhere that they get books is fine. The Prager Store, uh, uh, at, uh, they, they, they can order through there. Okay. Uh, there there's, look, it, that that's not the issue. The issue is to order it. And give give one to your pastor or your priest, because uh, I always tell pastors and priests and rabbis, if you don't get 50 sermons out of this book, I'll buy it back. Wow. That's confidence, and I believe that. And by the way, people should know the regular price. I'm looking at the uh, Prager store right now. The regular price for the book is thirty nine ninety nine. The pre-order price is nineteen ninety nine. Save that money and pre-order it right now. Go to PragerStore.com. And by the way, and, uh, I just want to say on behalf of the publisher, the book is gorgeous. You know, I, 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 I have in my contract the quality of paper I have to approve. Wow. The design was gorgeous. The illustration in the front, it, it, I am proud of the job Regnery did. The co- the cover art is amazing. I would agree with you. And I'm seeing it only on a computer screen. I can't imagine what it looks like in person, but I will indeed have that soon. Dennis Prager, thank you. God bless you, my friend. And uh, I really appreciate you uh, coming on. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, 1131 now. Like I said, we blew past the clock because Dennis Prager is worth it. And so is the Rational Bible Deuteronomy, the latest in the Rational Bible series by Dennis Prager. And we're back after the news. Get information on all of your options. Dennis Prager sees Trump derangement syndrome everywhere. This is what gives you moral strength? Donald Trump's evil? But he was president four years. What did he do bad? Don't tell me he doesn't like women. Don't tell me he's a liar. Tell me what he did bad. They can't. There's a sickness in your soul. There is. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. Well, that was fun. And I say that literally. I, I really enjoy uh, I enjoy sitting in and hosting Dennis Prager's show, but I very rarely get a chance to do an interview with him for twenty minutes or twenty five minutes. That was just uh, that was just terrific. If you don't if you don't buy the book, it's okay. Um, you know, uh, it's your loss. I, I think. Uh, you know, I'm not here to make profits for anybody. But at the very least, when you listen to Dennis's show. Uh, listen with the discerning ear that you would perhaps give if you did read the book, and listen to the fireside chats as well. Uh, Dennis just brings a clarity to things, I think, from a biblical perspective to a modern contemporary standard, unlike anybody else doing it. That's not to say there aren't great preachers and pastors and priests. There are. I love Pastor Jeff Toring. I love hearing his uh, sermons and portions of them that you hear on the radio. 
this is not to denigrate anybody else but Dennis, and he's not even an ordained, you know, uh, uh, cleric of any kind. He's not a priest. He's not a pastor. He's he's not a rabbi, but he brings it together unlike really anybody else does. It's just a remarkable thing, and I, and I really enjoyed that. So thank you to uh, Dennis Prager and that book. Again, you can get it at the Prager Store, which is PragerStore.com, or it's linked, of course, on DennisPrager.com. So uh, earlier in the broadcast, we've only got about three minutes left here, so I don't have time to take calls or anything, but earlier in the broadcast I told you that they were kind of um, you know, trying to outgaff one another, talking about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, you know, trying to outgaff one another, trying to prove that, no, I'm the stupidest person on this ticket. No, I'm the stupidest person on this ticket. I mean, you got Joe Biden, of course, uh, looking for uh, looking for Jackie. Representative, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here to help make this a reality. Yeah, uh, lost, completely lost. Jack is dead. He's looking for dead people in the room, dead people that he specifically uh, delivered a statement about a month ago that said how surprised and shocked and saddened he was by her death. Now he's looking for So that's, that's you know, kind of his uh, launch here. And then Kamala Harris says, hold my beer. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. (laughs) Wow. Who knew that? Who knew that we were strong allies with North Korea? Last time I checked, we went to war with the people of South Korea against the North Koreans and the Chinese. You know, there was a Korean conflict, and last time I checked, we have been threatened with nuclear annihilation by Kim Jong-un, his father Kim Jong-il. We have had a very, very uh, um, adversarial relationship with a communist nuclear power, and she claims that we have a great relationship with them. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. I just want to do what the left hates when we do, and that is to do the whataboutism game. It's worth it, and it's real. Can you imagine what the press would do if Vice President Mike Pence made that statement? If Mike Pence went to... The DMZ, the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea, and declared that we're allies with North Korea, even if it was just a slip of the tongue. Can you imagine, especially if it was one in a long 20-month uh, string of slips of the tongue and, and word salads and baffling statements made by an obvious mental midget? Can you imagine what they would do? Can you imagine if Donald Trump stood at a podium and said, where's Jackie? Where's Jackie? Jackie is here. I thought Jackie was going to be here. And Jackie was dead. And he had made a statement over. Can you? I mean, his fitness as a president would be called into question. And guess what? <laughs> Rightfully so, if it was particularly, uh, again, the latest in a long string of those kinds of things. We are being led by a mental deficient. We are being led by a mental patient. A mental patient who tells us to get vaccines against hurricanes and uh, looks for dead people in crowds that he knows are not alive. I'm sorry, it's dangerous. And we'll talk more about it tomorrow on a free-for-all Friday. Everyone, I hope you have a great day today. Thanks to my guests, thanks to my crew, and thanks to you for listening. Be well, stay free, and remember. Let's go, Brandon. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.